Welcome to the Proceedings Podcast. I'm Bill Hamlet, the Editor-in-Chief of Proceedings at the U.S. Naval Institute. Good to have you on board, everybody. We're doing something a little different with episodes from the Surface Navy Association's annual symposium this year. We're often at events such as West, SNA, Tailhook, Modern Day Marine, the Naval Submarine League, but we've never interviewed people from the defense industry. These big conventions are a place where military and industry meet and interact, so we've decided to ask a number of companies to talk about their businesses. This episode is brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield Dental Coverage. I can't help myself from smiling right now. That's because I have Blue Cross Blue Shield FEP Dental. I pay no deductible for in-network services. Preventive care is fully covered, including three cleanings a year. Plans start as low as $20 a month. Learn more at BCBS. FEPDental.com. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right. Welcome back to the Surface Navy Association Symposium. I'm Bill Hamlet, the Editor-in-Chief of Proceedings. It's great to have another industry partner here with us today. i got Steve Rogers from GE Marine. Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Bill. Uh, yeah, it's been a good week so far, so appreciate the invitation. So we were doing the standard uh, Navy thing. You, you look familiar. I recognize you. Steve was an E2. Pilot, NFO, 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 yeah. and uh, we spent some time on Eisenhower together. Yeah, back uh, in 2006 and 2007. I was on CSG4, so I was one of the you know the bad guys who was evaluating a carrier strike group, and Steve was a squadron uh, NFO. Anyway, uh, great to have you on the show. Uh, let's talk about GE Marine and uh, your main product line, and, and you know how SNA fits into you know your your marketing scheme. Sure. Yeah, so uh, you know, that GE is really proud to kind of be the workhorse for, for the, the U.S. Uh, service fleet. You know, about 95% of gas turbine-powered uh, combatants in the U.S. Navy uh, are powered by the LM2500, um, and about 50% of our overall business is, is here in the U.S. And, and the rest is international. So, so we're really thrilled to be here with uh, at SNA, uh, meeting with uh, customers and, and industry partners, and just really trying to get a better understanding of kind of future. Of uh, the Navy, the direction it's going, as well as you know, rekindle a lot of the relationships and the contacts that we have in industry. So you're my first guest today that is uh, from a company that actually builds something. Yeah. Right? You know, instead of the systems integration kind of stuff, but but uh, you know, LM2500, GE Marine, you you build engines that drive ships at sea, right? So if the Navy's building, if we're if we're buying more ships, then obviously. You have the potential to build more LM2500, sell more of them to the to the Navy. I remember uh, at the Naval Academy, you know, back in the 1980s, learning about the LM2500, learning about the four of them on the Spruance class destroyer. How much, you know, I think it was 20,000 shaft horsepower per mm-hmm. engine. Um, that that product line, you know, we're now 40 years yeah, later. Yeah. Now, right? How, how different is the product now from what it was in the 1980s? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, so, you know, a lot of people think about the LM2500 the way that you, you described it, how it's, it's very established, it's been, you know, it's got a long lineage in, in some of the, the ships out there. Um, but over that time, we've been making more and more improvements and building on that, the, the success that we've had. I think one specific example is 
You know, if we think about the, the DDG-51 class, it's got the base LM2500, uh, and you contrast that with the, the Constellation class frigates, you know, that has the next generation, LM2500 uh, plus G4. So it's the same size, but significantly more power dense. Uh, it, it outputs much, much uh, more power. So now instead of having multiple, a need for multiple gas turbines, you can do it all in one, still on the same footprint. Um, you know, another thing that we're doing that, that navies have really gravitated to is, you know, the, the, the composite enclosure and how you actually encapsulate the, the engine, moving the composites, lighter weight. Um, ship designers love that because it gives them more room, more weight for fuel, payload, uh, just more flexibility from a design standpoint. Um, so there are a lot of improvements that we've been making, and, and I think the, the direction the Navy's um, moving now is they're, they're really pushing industry to come up with more efficient uh, ideas from a fuel efficiency and emissions standpoint, and that's in our pipeline as well to, to make sure that we're doing that and still maintaining the power density and reliability. Uh, that we have been for the past 40 years. So you said that the DDG-51s have the standard LM2500 and the Constellations are, have an upgraded engine. Now when you build, when the Navy builds the, you know, the, the, the Flight 3 DDGs, right, is that, is that a different engine or is it an upgraded engine from, you know, from the, from the original Arleigh yeah. Burke, the, the Flight 1, Flight 2? Oh, yeah. Are they getting better over time in that program? Yeah, so it's, it's going to be the, it's going to be the same base LM2500, but it's going to have some of the component improvements that have come throughout the time. So an LM2500 that's manufactured in the, in the early 80s is different from an LM2500 that's manufactured today because there have been technology improvements that have been incorporated into, into the manufacturing. So um, so yeah, that obviously Flight 3 is something that we're looking forward to and to continue to support over the next couple years. Uh, you mentioned 50% of your business is overseas, is foreign partners. Uh, talk, you know, what are some of those major and uh, how is it different working with foreign navies and, and foreign shipbuilders than with the U.S. Navy and the, you know, the HII yeah. as a company? So, so every country is nuanced. And, you know, no, no country operates the same way. Um, one thing that that is the obvious for everyone is what we're seeing in um, you know, Indo-Pacific is really changing the way people are thinking about naval superiority, and it's really putting placing a greater emphasis. So we're seeing more and more uh, demand from from countries that. Um, you know, that maybe may not have placed as much of an emphasis. So, so demand is, is really increasing in, in certain regions of the world. Um, you know, we're very lucky to have pretty strong relationships with the navies. We're in, um, you know, we, our engines are in 40 different navies. Um, so, South Korea, India, uh, Turkey, uh, Italy, Spain, Finland. Um, and we're all kind of all over the place. Okay. Um, and we're really proud, proud of that. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think working with the, the foreign navies and the foreign governments and the foreign shipbuilders is, you know, it's different in every every place. So we're lucky to have pretty good staff uh, and cadre of professionals out and about working in those relationships. Uh, at, at the uh, Submarine League event back in November, a lot of discussion around the industrial base, mm -hmm. right? uh, particularly around the skilled workforce base uh, for... Uh, welders, you know, and electricians, and engineers, right? So, you know, how is GE grappling with industrial-based capacity issues? How's that impacting your business and and, uh, and your ability to grow? Yeah, I mean, certainly, I mean, 
there is a, a challenge when it comes to the skilled labor, um, the materials, but also the inflationary environment that we've really seen in 2022, I think is hitting hitting everybody. Um, one of the things that GE did, really when the pandemic started, and I would even say before the pandemic started, was working to broaden the supply base so that there were fewer choke points and, and, and um, you know, there was more diversity among our suppliers. Um, you know, one of the things that, that I think our uh, broader uh, broader uh, GE community is doing is trying to, to partner with trade schools, uh, not only to help the, the supply base, the, the skilled labor for GE, but also for our suppliers. Okay. Uh, where is the LM2500 built? Cincinnati, Ohio. So it's made, that's, that's where it all comes together? Yeah, made in the U.S., okay. uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio. And um, yeah, it's uh, that, that's that's where it's it's been manufactured, and that's where it's going to continue to be made. Components from multiple states. Uh, any components from overseas? Yeah, there's there's some there's some foreign content um, as far as the components go, um, but significant uh, significant content is, is U.S. and then it's all uh, manufactured and assembled there in the Evendale plant. Before we started the show here, uh, you were mentioning that. Uh, in many ways, your, you know, your, your competitor obviously is Rolls Royce. They build gas turbines, uh, but your other competitor, you said, was diesel. Yeah. Uh, so talk about that a little bit, about uh, particularly about either whether it's a U.S. Navy customer or a foreign customer um, making the case for gas turbine versus a. Uh, Diesel propulsion system. Yeah, sure. Well, so so like we talked about before, there, there's um, you know diesel engines are, are perfectly suitable and, and good solutions up to a certain power requirement. But then there's a tipping point where, in order to to get more power, um, you really have to cut over to a gas turbine that's more power dense. Um, and, and so one of the things that we try to do is you know, we try to work with the, the end customer as well as the ship design process early in the, in the phase to understand you know, what are their requirements, what are they really trying to achieve, and, and work with them to kind of mold that to, to identify you know, what is going to be the right solution. Uh, in a lot of cases, you know, the, the gas turbine is Especially for large combatants, um, you know, speed is critical. You, you need that, and you, and you need that power to get there. Um, so, yeah, so we really try to work with the designers and the customers early in the process to, to help mold and shape those environments. Any? Are you getting from the customer, either U.S. Uh, or foreign customer? Are you getting consistent requirements? Are you getting a consistent demand message, or is it? They don't throw a Yeah, so I think um, it's a different answer whether you're talking U.S. based or or internationally. So so internationally, I feel like we've got a we have a very good network. Of, you know, our team is all over the world, and we're very plugged in with the navies and, and the governments, and, and getting a, I feel a pretty good demand signal. Um, and I would say that generally the answer is the same for the U.S. Navy. You know, the shipbuilding plan and the president's budget. Something that's put out there, and, and everyone can see. Um, there, you know, sometimes there's a little bit of a misalignment regarding what the budget says and what you know congressional expectations are. So I think balancing that uh, is is something that's always going to go on. But I think for the most part, we've got a, a good handle on the demand. If, if there becomes a demand signal to, I mean, you know, we've been talking 350 ship Navy for quite some time mm -hmm. through several different um, you know administrations, right? That we 
haven't, and the U.S. Navy has not broken a Gulf Stream yet. If the resources were made available and there, there was a consistent demand and you could get to, hey, we're going to start to build the number of ships to get to 350. Can GE meet that demand? So Absolutely. Can you ramp up the number of available 2,500 that you produce? Absolutely. If, if, and I think most suppliers would say the same, the same thing. If we have a clear demand signal, then that allows us to give a clear demand signal to our supply base. And because that's really where it starts. Um, even if we had capacity, but our supply base and the industrial base is, is, is challenged, um, you know, there's a constraint. There. So the clear signal that we get, we pass along, and absolutely industry can meet the demand. Okay, good to know. Yeah. Well, Steve, thanks for uh, stopping by sure. the booth today, and uh, I hope SNA is great for GE Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Thanks, man. That wraps up another episode of the Proceedings Podcast, brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield FEP Dental. I can't help myself from smiling right now. That's because I have Blue Cross Blue Shield FEP Dental. I pay no deductible for in-network services. In-network preventive care is fully covered, including three cleanings a year, and plans start as low as $20 a month. Learn more at bcbsfepdental.com. If you enjoy the show, like us, subscribe to our channel, tell your friends, become a member at usni.org forward slash join. And until next week, remember, victory begins at the Naval Institute.